few thoughts in concluding in chapter 6 of Matthew. Uh, it's really been a ministry uh, for me just working through this passage. I was uh, The idea of, uh, of prayer being challenging was what obviously motivated me to be looking at that. I'm, I'm looking even beyond that now, <clears throat> thinking in terms of uh, adding to what I've shared from Matthew chapter 6. Uh, but I wanted to do something different tonight uh, to conclude that because it may be that you, you've never tried or you find it difficult to, to use this model prayer as a framework for your praying. And so it's kind of a, a congregational involvement here tonight so, uh, and a call to prayer. Um, but then I want to share with you as well, and I took some time and just really tried to pray through that um, and to provide an example, uh, it's obviously my prayer, but to provide an example of what it, what it might look like or what it might sound like to pray with this being the model. Uh, obviously, uh, you might insert sections in your prayer life for petitioning and making our requests be made known to God. So I'm not saying that uh, your prayer should exclude those things, but uh, really to give us kind of a closing model of that, what I wanted to do first tonight is we'll read, we'll read the text, but uh, what I want you to do and try to do uh, is as I read through that, I just want to pause and then call us to prayer. Uh, and I want you to pray about, uh, pray in regards to, to what I'm stating from the text. Uh, for example, uh, I might begin and just say, our Father. And then I'm going to pause right there and then each of us in silent prayer uh, pray in regards to that, uh, just kind of like I've been sharing and, uh, and then so forth throughout this. And then I just want to share with you in closing, uh, I may do it before I go to the next phrase, uh, but how I put that together as we were praying. But reading together again, Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, but you, when you pray, go into your inner room Close your door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetitions as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard <coughs> for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And then Jesus commenting, I believe, on verse 12 says, therefore, if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Uh, before I begin with this prayer, this invitation to prayer, uh, I realized that I didn't uh, get to verse 13 uh, in working through this text, uh, where Jesus in the model prayer uh, speaks here, lead us not into temptation. That's a pretty challenging verse. Um, because the implication is that the Father leads into temptation, but then you're requesting the Father lead us not. Don't lead us into temptation. 
you have to take into account that Jesus, our Lord himself, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted 40 days. Uh, we also know that uh, Job, uh, being by God's own witness a righteous man and one, one who hated evil, uh, Satan was permitted to come against him uh, in his property and ultimately against his body, although uh, he was under the, under the reign of God that he was, should not take his life. And then certainly we remember Jesus' prayer, uh, Jesus' comment to Peter, uh, saying that the devil has desired to sift you, uh, but I have prayed for you that your faith would hold, the implication being that permission had been given Satan to sift Peter. And so the idea that God will never lead us uh, in temptation, into temptation, uh, if you think that way, you need to be very careful about thinking that way. Because it may be that that exposure uh, to the adversary may be God's means of sanctifying us. And so he very well may, in fact, lead us into temptation. And I think that what Jesus is saying here, recognizing himself having endured temptation, although without sin, uh, he's speaking to us. You pray this way. Pray that he leads you not into temptation. It's as if Christ is saying, I have been there, and I know the wiles of the adversary, and I also know the weaknesses of your flesh. So pray to your Father that he leads you not into temptation, rather that he would deliver you from the evil one. Uh, the article actually is there, so he's speaking directly of Satan here. So, so that's part of the model for our prayers when we're praying so tonight, as I call you to prayer and concluding this particular passage of Scripture, uh, as I said, I just want to read the, the Lord's Prayer here and just pause after each one and you spend a few moments uh, praying. Try, try if you can, because this is what I've been doing today, but try if you can to confine your thoughts to the fatherhood of God and, and so on as we go through these. Try to confine your prayers and your meditations and your considerations to, to that area. And I think you'll understand why when we kind of conclude this. So, so you can bow your head or if you prefer to look upwards or outwards or keep your eyes open, that's completely fine. But I just want to call us to prayer in regards to the very first phrase, our Father. Our Father, you have become so to us through the sacrifice of your only begotten Son, wherein your wrath, once abiding upon us as your enemies with its future fullness to be poured out upon us in a fiery eternal hell, you exhausted upon your only begotten Son on our behalf. 
even while you have made us without any merit of our own where his righteousness by which we now come confidently before you as heirs and co-heirs with Christ, crying by the Spirit, Abba, Father. We come to you with grateful hearts as to our Father because you first came to us, because you have first loved us and have chosen to abide with us, to be present with us daily and in every moment in our hearts by your Holy Spirit as our comforter, our teacher, and our guide condescending to abide with us, having fellowship with us. Who is in heaven. Yet you, Father, are transcendent, occupying all of creation, yet existing outside of creation. Without beginning or end, you are the Alpha and Omega, knowing all things, seeing all things, exercising infinite power, bringing to completion all that you propose to do. You raise up and put down nations and kings, rich men and poor men, the mighty and the weak, displaying your glory throughout the universe, declaring in every event and at every moment that you alone are God and there is no other. You alone possessing a glory which is shared with no other. And though we take our rest in your embrace as our Father, we are humbled, even made to tremble when we consider your holiness. We offer up our requests as your children while you already know every need. And we dare not presume upon you, mindful of your infinite wisdom and glory, and we humbly accept that your thoughts are not our own, and nor are your ways like ours. So we subject our thoughts and our ways to yours, and humbly pray that you might align our hearts and prayers to your thoughts and ways. Hallowed be your name. For this reason, Father, grant us mercy so that in heart, mind, body, and spirit, your name, that name which is above every name and the name which you have commanded should not be spoken of in vain, 
would be embraced in our hearts and minds as holy, that we not, might not speak carelessly or lightly of and in your name, but that we might, even as we call upon your name, feel the weightiness of it, that under such weight our knees would gladly bend as well as our hearts before you, our great and glorious sovereign Lord of all. Thy kingdom come. O oh, Father, grant us the grace of a fuller vision of your kingdom. As Elijah prayed for his fearful and panic-stricken servant, overwhelmed by his fear of the enemy, Lord, open his eyes. So also, Lord, open our eyes that we may see the legions of the heavenly host standing at the ready, watching over us, guarding us against the evil one, awaiting your command to act on behalf of your glory and for the sake of your children. Help us, O oh Lord, in these darkened days when it seems as though our enemy is gaining the victory to behold the kingdom. In times of blessing and in affliction, help us to see not only the temporal, but the eternal. Grant us most of all to behold more clearly our King, the one who is King of kings and Lord of lords, the one before whom every knee will someday bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord for the sake of your glory. Father, we ask that you would grant our requests which tend towards the display of your glory and manifest your kingdom, and that you would withhold granting those which might obscure these. O oh, Father, we know that it is through much tribulation that we shall enter into the kingdom, but O oh, grant us to have a clear vision of that kingdom such as will make our afflictions but light and momentary when compared to the glory that will be revealed to us and in us. Grant us, Father, that we should say as the Apostle John, who seeing in a vision that great and terrible day of the Lord said, even so, come Lord Jesus. Thy will be done. Father, in all our requests and petitions, we prefer thy will. We pray with trembling and in recognition that thy will 
might well be accomplished through a cross as it was with our Lord Jesus. A cross for us to bear or to be borne by another whom we love. Even so, we prefer thy will. Acknowledging that all things work together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And that our greatest good and that of every person is that they should be conformed to the image of your son. We pray for thy will to be done here on earth among men just as it is in heaven without obstruction or resistance. O Father, silence all objection and put down every objection to your will among and within the hearts of mankind. Overthrow our resistance to your will and reluctance and fear to act according to all that you have commanded. Just as the saints gone on to glory along with the heavenly host rejoice at thy will in heaven, O Lord, make it so among your people here on earth. Let us not yield by force of our own weakness to thy will, but, O Lord, grant us that we should truly prefer it. Give us this day our daily bread. Oh, Father, we look to you for today's provision. Grant us the mercies of food and clothing and shelter and that which pertains to the body and sustaining our lives. Beyond these, Lord, grant all that is needed daily also for our spiritual lives and for living in ways that reflect your goodness and glory. Help us, Father, not to presume about the provisions for tomorrow, for tomorrow we may find ourselves in your presence and have no more need of earthly provision. Help us to receive what your wisdom provides for today with grateful hearts, trusting that you will provide also tomorrow for the needs of that day and so on for every day until you grant the mercy of our homecoming. Father, help us not to presume to sit by idly, mistaking laziness for faith, but rather grant us strength to put hand to plow as a reflection of your glory, who labored six days in creating the universe before taking your rest on the Sabbath day. O oh, Father, make us to know and to remember always our dependency upon you, whether your provision is sufficient or abundant to the blessing of others. Forgive us our trespasses. Father, we pray for the humility <clears throat> to realize that though we have been saved and by your grace will persevere unto the end, 
we have not yet attained to the resurrection. And therefore our war against sin and the old man is ongoing. Grant us for your name's sake victory in the many battles against the flesh. And as the apostle Paul writes, grant us grace to be putting to death the old man. When we stumble, O Lord, grant us mercy and forgiveness of our sins. We trust, Lord, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Grant us grace to turn away from sin. But grant us mercy also when in our own weakened strength we fall into that sin. Forgive us, Lord, for our sins of omission also when we sin by not acting as we ought to act. And Father, we understand that our sin separates us from you, so we pray that you would make our hearts so long for this intimacy with you that sin, any sin, would become for us less desirable and that we would choose fellowship with you always over the momentary but destructive pleasures of our sins. as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. Father, we ask that as those forgiven of sin, that you would make us mindful if we have come to you while withholding forgiveness from those who have sinned against us. Bring to our minds now anyone from whom we with, we've withheld the mercy of forgiveness so that we might not diminish the glory of your grace toward us by denying such a smaller grace to the one who sinned against us. Father, help us to be mindful that forgiving others is not at the cost of the shedding of our own blood, but that it is a testimony of the sufficiency of the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of sins, our sin as well as those of others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Father, we recognize the weakness of our flesh when we pray that you would not lead us into temptation. We tremble at the prospect of temptation, remembering that our Lord was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. And realizing that as sinful men of a fallen nature, we will be no match for our adversary, we pray that by your grace you would spare us these dangers. We recognize also that to conform us to the image of our Lord and Savior, you, you may for a time allow the tempter to come. 
much as it was permitted for the self-sufficient, prideful Peter, not to mention the righteous Job. We confess, O Lord, that we are weak in faith and so prone to rely upon our own strength. We fear that we would fall. So we ask, Father, that you might deliver us from the evil one, whether by leading us not into his path or if by providence he is allowed to sift us by delivering us out of it. In either case, we pray that we might be made always aware of our dependency upon your mercy and grace, and that when temptation comes, that we might in those moments hold fast to you. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Father, in all these things, we confess and ask that you would make us always aware that the kingdom is yours. We are citizens of it, but it is not ours in regards to its administration and its purposes. It is not ours to display as we think best. It is by your power that it comes and that we have been introduced into it, and by your power it is sustained. It is by this same power it will be brought to its fullest expression. We pray also that we would behold more fully as time passes the fuller glory of it as it is yours, the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I just wanted to share that with you tonight because that's an example of how this Prayer is a framework or a model for how we should pray. This is my prayer. Uh, I'm reading it, but this is what I prayed today, uh, working through this. I don't know if you noticed it, but did you see how it was shaping my prayer? That's why I think Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way. Pray with this, within this framework, and your heart will be drawn to pray aright. <laughs> to pray in line with God. Yours may, may manifest itself in different words, but I, I wanted to share that with you tonight because I wanted to demonstrate to you that it can, it, it can be a model for our prayers. Uh, Jesus gave it very important. Of all the things he could have said about prayer, he says to his disciples, when you pray, pray this way. Go into that inner room, shut the door. Pray to your God who is in secret. And when you pray, pray like this. Uh, I, I often marvel, and I think the disciples did, when you, when you think about Jesus, particularly in John 17, Jesus, that's, that's the Lord's prayer, by the way. Uh, he's praying to the Father. And, and it seems as though when he prayed, the people marveled at his prayers. And I think it was so because he was so in communion and in fellowship with the Father, that he was speaking in ways that magnified the glory of his Father. And they'd never heard anybody speak like this before. They've heard the formal Pharisaic prayers, 
They saw them with their robes and all their dressings and how they stood in the marketplaces and in the synagogues and performed for the, for the praise of men. They, they knew that well, but this was not prayer like that. And that same Jesus has given us this model that we could construct, as it were, our prayers around this model. So I don't know about you, but I want to know how to pray. I want to be able to pray. I want to know how to commune with God in prayer. I want to know how to speak to him, whether it's audibly, whether it's on my knees, uh, whether it's driving down the road. I want, to, I want to, to frame my prayers in ways that draw my heart and mind to the glory of God and in ways that that same God will impress and shape my heart to serve him in ways that would glorify him. I love the last of this, and it really impacted me today, this last phrase, for thine is the kingdom. This is your kingdom. I'm a recipient of grace and mercy that I am a citizen of that kingdom, and I have all the rights and all the, all the inheritance of every, the, all of those who have been made children of God. Those are all benefits poured out into our lives as citizens, but it's your kingdom. And it's your power, not mine, not yours, not any single individual man, not the super saints of all the world, none of them. It is not rooted in their power. It is his power that administrates his kingdom and displays its glory. I was thinking today, every, every sunrise and all, every event that unfolds throughout the day is declaring Psalm 19.1, the glory of God. Did you hear it today? Did I hear it today? I want the Lord to make me mindful. I want to be mindful of his, of his presence and his glory throughout the day. I, it's his power. And it's certainly to his glory. Uh, I, think, I think the joy of the saint is going to be that all, all obstructions have been removed and we reflect accurately and perfectly the glory of our God and that is going to be our joy we're not going to be God we're not as the Mormons think going to become a God someday I'm never going to be a God don't want to be a God we have a God and he alone is glorious and our greatest joy is to be reflectors of that glory and re return it back to him to whom it belongs his is the kingdom and the power and the glory and I love it. He says forever and concludes with the words that mean so be it. Let it be. Let it be your kingdom. Let it be your power. Let it be your glory forever and ever because to you only does it belong. So I'll dismiss tonight. That's brief, but that's the way I wanted to conclude this. So we don't go away thinking theoretically, well, that's a wonderful model prayer. I want us to go away using using the model, letting the model shape uh, the way we pray. As I've said, uh, at the end of this prayer is when I was most inclined to bring my petitions. Now I have a context. Now, now your sickness and now your dilemmas could be brought before a God whom I have a glimpse of. And I can literally, really and truly trust those into his sovereign care and trust 
that his will will be done and it will be to your joy. Uh, so to me, this is an important model because it sets the context for how we bring all our other requests, which we're commanded to bring. Bring your requests to God, but bring them to this God that you've been reminded of in this model prayer. So stand with me tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, that you have inspired those to record the words of Jesus as he gave us this model for our prayers. Lord, I thank you for how this has affected me today as I meditated upon this. And Lord, how it has reminded us, and me particularly, of how immature and childish sometimes our prayers are. How far short we fall at times of seeing your glory and being mindful of it as we come before you in prayer. Yes, Father, I'm thankful that as your child we can know the warm embrace and the intimacy that we enjoy with you. But, oh, I'm so thankful as well that you have not ceased to be the God of the universe in becoming our Father. And Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have, the grace that we enjoy, that we that our eyes and our hearts have been opened to who you are. And Father, for every believer in this room, we know, we know we have met you. I've said many times to those who would argue for the authority of scripture that my final answer is I know they are authoritative because I have met their author. And Father, we thank you for that grace. Lord, I ask you to help those who've gathered here tonight, Father, as we pray, certainly, that they might utilize the model that you've given us, but more importantly, Father, that you might draw them near to yourself, that prayer for us might become more of an opportunity for communion with our Lord, for growth, for understanding, for wisdom, and for strength. And Lord, we ask for the same reason that Jesus has given here, that we might recognize and that you might be known that your kingdom might be known, your power and your glory. And Father, we ask these things tonight in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for his sake, for his name, for his glory. Amen.